Welcome to I Love My HBCU Question Mark, the podcast where we express our undeniable love for HBCUs, but where we are also not afraid to address a few tough questions. So, sit back, learn a little, love a lot, and rep your HBCU. Hello to everybody hearing the sound of my voice and watching. If you are watching, you know I have, I'm going to call her a goddess, a peaceful goddess on my screen. I and so many people know her as the co-pastor of Relentless, Aventa Gray. But I'm going to let Aventa describe herself to us. <laughs> Aventa is a country girl from Dothan, Alabama, who loves God, my family, people, Farms, animals, fashion, makeup, style, music, dance, which is so much a part of me, the arts. Um, I love just anything that wraps you into any type of artistry, any type of tapestry of artistry. That's who I am. So I'm, I'm a country girl. Um, I was born and raised around the Panhandle. It's Southeast Alabama, so Northwest Florida, um, Southwest Georgia. So <laughs> the one way, 15 minutes, you're in Florida. Another way, 20 minutes, you're in Georgia. So I'm Florida, Alabama, Georgia girl. I wrapped love into it. one. I love and it. Um, that's just who I am at, at, at the forefront. I'm just a country girl who just loves God, loves people and have maximized and still trying to maximize the the beautiful um opportunities that god has afforded me so i love it i love it that that's a full-bodied description and definition of who yeah. you are i mean i, I happen to be i happen to be a wife i happen to be a mother um i am a daughter sister auntie godmother you know all these beautiful titles but a part of who i actually am is helping to inform women of before any of the titles, you're just you. So I am a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. And all of the that. rest of it is accompaniments. But just me at my core, I'm just Aventer. Girl love that loves that. God, loves people, loves to have fun. And it's meaning more to me as I age. You know, aging gracefully means really centering around who God actually called you to be instead of trying to fit in boxes or find tribes. I love tribes. There was a beautiful, but if I didn't have them, who am I? And that's the question that we as women need to make sure we can answer without all of those things. So I am not a therapist, but with every single guest, I am taking notes because there's just so many gems that the guests bring onto this show. And you just said, if I didn't have the tribes, who am I? And I'm going to get back to that soon. I know most of the people that listen to my podcast are HBCU students. She is a Florida A&M University alum, guys. <laughs> that right. is why she is here. And we're gonna get into that very shortly. But that line that you just used, if I didn't have those tribes, who am I? I, if you're okay with it, I want you to get into that a little bit more for us, especially for our students shortly. 
Mm-hmm, sure. I mentioned earlier on how multifaceted you are, just based on your definition and your description. But you're multifaceted also with all the things you have your hands in. I'm just being introduced to Av Unfiltered. Yeah. And I want to hear a little bit more about it. You know, Av Unfiltered was birthed during the pandemic, of course. Um, just conversations without filters for, from women of all aspects of life, um, from a working mom to a businesswoman and everything in between. And even women just trying to figure it out. I think that all of the perspectives need the same amount of attention because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're so heavy on the womanpreneur, the entrepreneur. But what if you are called to be a stay-at-home wife? Is that any less than a woman who is a go-getter? No, it's absolutely not. It's actually uh, one of the greatest titles that you can hold because you are stewarding or you are pastoring your home, if you will. And so everything about what comes out of your home, whether it's a peaceful husband, beautiful kids, who are sure of who they are and their identity because you took the time to steward your home well, that reads well for who they will be in the future and who they are set out to be and who they are called to be. And I just feel like on Avon Filter, the guests that I've had um, have really given us insight onto women in different walks of life. Every woman is not going to come on with this massive story of success, Mm. but they have the massive story of who they are and who they are wanting to become. And so I have highlighted a lot of people you may know, people you've never heard of. I think it's so important for both of those paths to cross because for the people that we know, all of us know, somebody gave them an opportunity to speak and then they were able to become who you are knowing them to be later on. So instead of just having, you know, notable people on, you have people who are doing the work, maybe in your community, maybe from your hometown. You know, I had um, my glam team on, my hairstylist and my makeup artist. I mean, if it were not for them, we wouldn't even be prepared for the filming and going out (laughs) in front of people. So it's just like, how do you feel? Do you get fulfillment? And preparing other people for their next, like, is this your passion? You know, and so getting those answers um, really informed me about who I have in my circle. And while they're preparing me, that's fulfilling to them, you know, and fulfilling to other people um, that they get the opportunity to make, to beautify as they, you know, walk into their purpose. So Avon Filton is a conglomerate of, you know, showing who women can actually be and just letting women be who they are and letting them flow in their veins wherever those are and speak very candidly, you know, about how they got there and why. And even if they're in transition of some sort mm-hmm. um, and, and life's changes, life's anomalies, ebbs and flows, because we all have them. I feel like it's so important for us to have the real conversations you know, at my age, we're like one generation removed from the silent generation. And, you know, our our parents and our grandparents, well, we don't talk about that. We don't share that and all of that. And I'm so grateful to God that we are kind of pressing forward with mental health and just the aspects of who we are, where we came from, why we're wired the way we are. Why do I talk like this? Why do I, you know, blink my eyes this way? Why do all of those things are kind of informing us and we get that from you telling me 
who you were, mommy, like how you were brought up, daddy, you know, what you experienced. And then I get to inform my children, like you're watching mommy right now, but let me tell you why mommy moves this way. Let me tell you why I don't deal with this. And let me tell you why I'm open to that, you know? And I think those dialogues help shape. It helps shape you. You're always shape shifting into the next Mm -hmm. version of yourself, hopefully the next best version of yourself. And as the metamorphosis uh, is taking place in your life, I think that it's so important for women to be okay with whatever season they're in because it, whatever that season is, is making you. It could be a sad season, but it's making you. It can be a great season, but it's making you. It can be like a season where success is just back to back to back. It's making you. It can be a silent season where you're like, God, am I doing the right thing? Do you hear me? Am I, what am I doing? Am I on a detour? Can you bring me back to the right path that I'm supposed to be on? But whatever it is, it is making you, you. So I don't want to jump into any other woman's lane. I want to celebrate women for what they're doing because I feel liberated by by celebrating others, by showing up for others, by supporting others. Even if people are doing something that um, you feel like you want to do as well. There is an audience out here for everyone. Everybody who connects to you, Tosin, may not connect to me, but I would love for me to be able to push the people who would connect to you, to you, instead of like not sharing my ideas and my resources with you, thinking that there's some type of competition. We limit each other with the competition aspect. Cause I'm just like, I wasn't even in the competition that you created for us. I'm confused. You know, like people, people are, you know, comparing and, Oh, she's doing that. Or this one is doing this. And I actually, if I'm focused on me and all the things that God has placed in my lap, I actually don't have time to be worried about what you have going on you know, and how, but um, I, I just really feel like at, in life that we need voices like yours, your podcast. We need the ones like mine and many others that shine a light on spaces that just hadn't had those those ears and eyes before. So that's I what literally, I feel about. I could, I could <laughs> anyone who's watching just sees me nodding and nodding. And there's just so much that you have, you're pour, you pour into people a lot is what it sounds like to me. And, um, and this, I know I'm coming back to FAMU in a hot second. I'm <laughs> sitting here listening to you and I'm like, she was born to do this. She was born to do this. And because of that, I know God is just going to keep filling her up. What, what pours into you? Cause you, you, you just poured for the last five minutes or so. Anybody who was lucky enough to hear this, you just poured a lot into us. What pours other than God? Other than God, what pours into you? Ooh, okay. So that's that's pretty pretty um, deep. What pours into me? So yes, you have to start with God. There is an aspect of the relationship with God that is able to fill any void that you may have in your life, and from there, you get you know, all of the other things that you feel like you need. I think what's super important for us to understand as women or as individuals anyway, anywhere, is that your fulfillment can't really come from people. It comes Mm. from God and God's use of people in your life. So they aren't the source. God's the source. They are the resource. And so I actually had to understand that, like, God helped me to identify 
who it is that is called to walk with me in this season mm. of my life. You know, this is cliche. It's old. Reason, season, lifetime. And so reason, season, lifetime, I abide by. I think sometimes we get frustrated about why relationships aren't growing or aren't evolving because we have not identified if this mm. was a reason, a season, or a, a lifetime, lifetime type of relationship. So I endeavor now in, in my early 40s, just entering into my 40s, to have people around me who don't mind feeling me when I'm down because I that's my heart to always feel those around me. And also to identify when somebody is close to me that I love who are going through, not like you're always heavy on my side, making sure I'm good. There needs to be reciprocal energy that we that that you have just as a human. Yeah. If you love people around you, it's not just about you. Now Absolutely. they may serve with you, they may work with you, they may work for you, but are you taking the time to be like, you're off today? How do you feel? How do like, you feel? Like did you having a flashback of a moment, you know, what did this holiday trigger in your mind? Mm, you know, take mm. the time and not rush past it. But actually the way I get fulfillment is pouring into others. Like I feel like if I can give somebody a smile that I wish I had in a moment. If I could give um, the relational equity like a scripture or something, because I want someone to just be like, hey, you were heavy on my heart. So I'm going to send you the scripture mm. for encouragement. I do what I would like done for me. Mm. And that's that's the fulfillment aspect that I feel like works for me. Understanding who God is and that God works through people at random times. That helps I love me. it. I love it. I'm listen, I'm going to listen to this episode specifically just for my own for my own mental health over and over and over again. So I appreciate you for being on. But I'm going to have you heard of our rapid fire segment? I have not. What's rapid That's fire? beautiful. That's be I love it. Because that what? means that you don't that means you could not have prepared for this if you tried. And I like it. No prep. <laughs> it's fun though. I promise you it's fun and People generally come, tune into just the rapid fire segment sometimes because they're curious to hear what your answers are going to be. So it's literally 67 seconds on the clock. I'm going to throw as many questions at you as possible. They're all HBCU related and you related as well. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I think, I think I'm ready. You're ready. You're ready. You're you. You're ready. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Time on the clock. Describe okay. your HBCU experience in one word. Ooh, absolutely. Best time of my life. You said one word. <laughs> Phenomenal. It's okay. Phenomenal. 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 Okay. If your time in college was a song, what would that song be? Make it last forever. Make it la Your answers. I love your answers. Oh, my Lord. If you remember, what was your best meal in college? Best meal? Oh. Los Compadres. Los Compadres. Los Compadres is a restaurant on Pensacola in Tallahassee. I don't even know if it's still there, but I knew when I went there, I had a little bit of extra money, and me and my roommate were going to turn up. I hear you. I hear you. With the Mexican okay. food. And okay. I'll the toilet. Go ahead. <laughs> I love it. So shout out your favorite professor or administrator or staff person at FAMU. 
now Dr. Mary Simmons. She was just Miss Simmons at the time, but now she is the dean of my school of Ally Health Sciences. She was just her heart, everything about her heart. Dr. Simmons, hands down. I love it. I love it. That that wraps up. That wraps up the rapid fire. But I always like to ask one more question just for the fun of it. On a scale of one through 10, how good of a student were you? Eight. Eight. I love that's good. She, you, she, if anyone who's watching, she averted her eyes to the to the side for a hot second as if she was going to give us a lower number. Eight is a nice, solid number. That's a strong student. I couldn't do 10 because Lord knows 10 means you had perfect attendance, all A's. You know, that's a 10. Uh, eight is I had the heart, but it, I actually had to find my footing changed my major a couple mm, times, had a few mm, bumps in the road. Mm, you know, I thought my, my mother was going to pass away. You know, I went home for a semester um, when I thought, you know, she was passing away from three aneurysms out of nowhere in her head. Um, and then right when I was exiting, my grandmother and my brother passed away two days apart in February of my last semester, which had me to add a summer. And I ended up walking in the summer because there was just a class that I could not keep up with. You mm -hmm. know, you had to be present. And when I missed two and a half weeks of school for their passings and the funerals and just trying to get my mind where I had a professor that actually was going to drop me from the program because I had death. Like, sir, what are you doing? He had other motives, too. But yeah. And yeah. You, hey, you want to be real? Let's talk about it. But no, I, I, I literally can tell you that my time there really made me. Mm, mm. Family made me and I love my school. I wouldn't, I, I mean, if you, you know, I love all HBCUs, but you know, fam, you. Fam, has her heart. Fam, has her heart. Speaking of, cause you, you're from Alabama, right? Alabama's got, I don't know the number top of my head, but quite many. a few HBCUs. Many. So, Tell us, walk us through your college selection journey. How did you, from Alabama, mm -hmm. end up at Florida A&M University? So let me let you in on a little secret. I'm not sure if everybody knows this. I did attend AMU for one semester. No, did not know that. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So let me walk that back. <laughs> um, when I was a little girl, that's all I knew. My mother is a 1968 graduate of Florida A&M University. She was one of the first women chosen to stay and live in the honor house um, when it was constructed. Um, she graduated in library science and worked as a media specialist for 30 plus years. Wow. And um, every, I have cousins, aunts, uncles, all we, all I've ever known was FAMU. So it's heavy legacy in my family. Some of us go different places, but most of us are either enrolled there, graduated there, went for a season, left, went back, or went and never graduated, but still went, you know. So I have, I have socks, I have t-shirts, I have, you know, every homecoming you were there when I was growing up. So I actually didn't really think I had a choice. Okay. And it was always inbred in me that, you know, this is our family school. Hmm. Now, my parents are from Florida, have, you know, farmed there, grew up, both grandparents 
um, grandfathers had farms. Like I said, 15 minutes away. I was in Florida every other day. So, you know, that that that's a thing. I, I was accepted to many colleges, um, predominantly white colleges, as well as HBCUs. Um, so with Florida A&M, I, I always wanted to go there, but AMU gave me a full ride. Listen. All listen. four years paid for academic scholarship. Fam, you gave me a partial. Okay. <laughs> but I will say this. Um, we The years that I graduated high school was when uh, it pushed back into June. You know, graduations used to be heavily in May. May, yes. So for Alabama A&M's summer session, I was graduating too late to attend. So I went to summer B at FAMU, right? Now, my mom had convinced me, you know, you got the full ride. You know, I know you love FAMU, but I guess we might sacrifice. Where's the money? Yes. Yeah. So she let me go to summer B at FAMU because summer B was starting after graduation. Well, aside from being bred as orange and green, you know, I'm a baby rattler, rattler kid, orange, green everywhere all, all of my life. Um, you know, I had a cousin that went to Alabama A&M. She was a queen. I visited the college and that was great. You know, it was like, all right, well, this may, this may work. It's still HBCU. Um, so I went to summer B at FAMU and then it was time to go to AMU in the fall. Right? No. No. So I went, (laughs) I did. Um, amazing. Mm. Nice dorm. It was a newer dorm. It had Burger King, had hair salon in there. I mean, everything you wanted. I was a queen of one of the boy dorms, Miss Foster. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Another queen, I can't even remember the name of it for some singing group, singing, you know, on campus. And I had a really good time. I was a cheerleader, you know, that was cool. But I was so sad. I wanted really? to go back to FAMU. Off of one summer. The summer, I think the mistake was that my mom let me experience it as a student. Had yeah. I not known a comparison of a different, I probably would be having a very different conversation. Yeah. I would have been an alum of AMU, AMU. In, yeah. in normal Alabama, which, you know, that's this where the campus is, Huntsville, Alabama. And um, amazing. It's wow. a great school. It's not family. Wow. And it's not how it was brought up. <laughs> yeah, nothing against them. I it's would go, no I would serve, I would speak if they had me come. I would talk about my amazing one semester. But when January came around and they had housing for me and FAMU and my mama saw me crying and she was like, you really doing this right now. I was like, I am. I don't want to go back. I want to go back to FAMU. Wow. So me and my partial went back to FAMU. And me then and I my started partial. like, I went in, you know, I went and I did some other smaller book scholarships and things like that. Some other things that I had acquired from um, being in um, the debutante cotillion. So I had funds to redirect there and all of that. And I got a couple of loans and me and FAMU wrote it out, you know, from there. So this is that a that's a that's no I was not expecting that story number one I thought it was FAMU from beginning to end that's number one but number two there's a gem in what you just said you you strike me as somebody who whether you realize it or not you you've always listened to your heart and what your heart tells you and 
And when sometimes I ask, it doesn't make all the sense to everyone else. To everybody else. Brainer, to yes. have a full ride, you go there. You, I had full ride to Auburn. I had you full did. ride to Alabama. And you should go there, right? Yes. But my heart. Your heart. Was at FAMU. Y'all bred me from here. Yes. For yes. FAMU. So if when I went and I got to couple the actual student experience with how I was raised, there was no way. There was no question. To like extract that type of feeling. Absolutely. Of the possibility of finishing my college career at FAMU. Like yeah. there was no brainer. And of course they talked to me and you know, this is a big deal because when you leave you're you know, it's just partial here. Okay. Okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll I love it. it. I, I, I hope enough students, current students at HBCUs, and I know their parents are going to be like, no, no Tosin. <laughs> but I do hope enough students at HBCUs or those thinking about going will also learn to follow their heart. All of us, including myself, I followed the money. I went with whoever was going to pay for that full ride first. Yeah. And we think about that loan later on, so of course. But there, there is an advantage to following your heart and listening to your heart, regardless of how everybody else takes it. And I love that about yeah. it sounds as if a lot of the decisions you've been making so far is what, what feeds my heart? And that's what I kind of need to go into. I love that. You have to um, be heart led. And also you have to ask God for discernment and place governors on your heart because, you know, you can end up being taken advantage of. Absolutely. That. But when it comes to your health and wholeness about your decision making, mm -hmm. you have to listen to your heart, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else. If it makes sense to you and God, then he'll make a way. Absolutely. And um, I would. I would go so far as to say that I am exactly who I am and who God destined to me, me to be because I listened to my heart. And I wouldn't have wanted the resentment of, well, I, I sacrificed my heart just so I could go to school for free. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. couple of loans were worth it to meet the deficit mm -hmm. um, for my heart to be filled, to carry you as an alum, you know, being a. I love it. The family. loans were worth it. I don't know too many people that can say that, but the loans I mean, were worth it. It wasn't too many. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, it was. It wasn't anything that had me ridiculously, you know, in debt. In debt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want us to be wise, but I will say, when you get the opportunity to measure what's practical with your heart, you pray and you ask God to make up the difference. So He did. He did. It was he a did. little bit of sacrifice, but I can't see finishing anywhere else. <laughs> Something tells me that if I ask you what your most challenging aspect of attending your HBCU was and how you'd overcome it, that I'm not going to get anything challenging. I think I'm just going to get honey and I'm going to get sweetness because it sounds as if it would not have mattered what challenge fam you had for you because this was a hot decision for you. You probably didn't even see it as a challenge. Um, but overcoming the, the obstacles that you did overcome though. Um, and I know you, you touched on it ever so slightly earlier on. Are you okay touching on it again? Only because, I know there's so many students that feel that when those challenges come their way, this is it, I'm done. 
I'm, I'm done. I can't finish. You came back, mm-hmm. even though you had two big losses in the last semester yeah. of college. How, how, if you can remember, if you can share, what did that feel like for you still overcoming that challenge? Well, if I can go back to, it, it was my mother first, um, that spring when my aunt was literally outside my door picking me up, telling me to grab what I could grab to come with her because my mom was sick. I'm like, okay. But when I get in the car, she's like, I need to explain to you because I had never heard the term aneurysm. I had no clue what an aneurysm was at 18 years old. And um, when she shared it with me and shared how important and critical at the same time it was, and then to couple that by saying she not only has one, she has three. She has three in her head, two ruptured and one bubbling. And any moment, this could cause her death, immediate death. Um, She passed out at home. And my father at the time was driving long distance, you know, 18 wheelers. I'm in college. My brother's in Atlanta, which we absolutely love. I grew up, you know, going to Atlanta all the time, which is why I ended up back in Atlanta. Uh, And then subsequently, Houston, Greenville, still Atlanta. You know, Atlanta's always going to be in the mix. Um, I feel I feel like that was a moment to grow me as well, because I could have given up right at the beginning of my college career because I was like, man, I went to FAMU, left, went to AMU, came back to FAMU. Now I'm being picked up because my mom is sick. I went back to FAMU. You know, everything brought me back, brought me back. She was sick, but God literally did a work in the surgeon that had never worked on three aneurysms. He's only did one. He was very candid with my family. He said, I actually need to go to bed tonight. I don't need to operate on your mom. I need to, I need to go to bed and get solid straight out, eight hours of sleep, wake up fresh. He said, pray or whatever it is that you all do that God keeps her through the night. Now wake up, she comes and she's alive. I'm going to do my best for her. Right. And he was an atheist. Uh, Her surgeon was an atheist. He is now a born again Christian ever since working on my mother because he said he doesn't quite know. And I don't know who's faith filled or not. I'm talking about me and my belief because I'm not offensive. I'm not a push on you. You ask me about mine. I'm going to tell you about my faith. Um, He said he didn't know what took over his hands as he was working on her. It was like he was being guided Hmm. on how to operate on these three aneurysms in her head. He knew what to do with one, never three at a time. Because if one way he could have lost her, another way she'd be blind, another way, you know, she would be alive, but a vegetable. So he told us all the worst case scenarios. He's like, if by chance it is a success, she may never walk again. She may never speak. She may not recognize you, but she'll be live. You know, she's everything that he said she wouldn't be. And then some and still alive. 76 years old, kicking it, and also accompanied me to talk to the queens mm-hmm. at the Royal Luncheon this year when I was the keynote speaker for mm-hmm. homecoming mm-hmm. this year and got to stand up and wave and talk mm-hmm. about her 1968 graduation from FAMU. So God is God, period. Mm. And so God was layering me up with some of these impacting, heart-wrenching things, knowing 
who I would become later. Yes. I didn't really understand some of the the hardships there, but I knew that they were for a reason. Absolutely. And now I'm seeing what those reasons were. My shoulders are broader. My shoulders can carry a lot more because I had that significant instance. And so when I was met, you know, in my last semester of, of FAMU with my grandmother dying on her birthday, February 10th, my brother dying on February 12th, you know, a Thursday and a Saturday, and then a funeral on Sunday and another one on the following Thursday. I realized I was like, God, like whatever and whoever I'm becoming, I'm finding out who she is. Wow. Right um, and that that has really informed me that happened in my years at, at FAMU. So of course I had to petition, you know, professors, Hey, I'm not going to be able to finish this part of clinical work because yeah. my body can't be there. So will this be offered in the spring? I mean, in the summer, can I co-op? So I was able to be a student at Tallahassee community college as well yeah. as Florida state to do that transient thing to allow me to finish absolutely um, timely and most of us do you know sometimes fam doesn't offer what you need when you need it and so they co-op with the other same vice versa fsu may not be offering something during a term or a semester that another you know student needs and they will yeah. allow you to come across the yard and go over and you know have that one class so god allowed me to finish those two classes in the summer and i walked in august instead of the spring and um i finished i'm so. signing up to every talk that aventa gray has I, I i i am no you i'm not the first person to say that after listening to you am i i you can I you can be humble you can be humble i'm not yeah, <laughs> you know aventer is extremely candid and transparent you are i don't know any other way to be to be that's why i was kind of skeptical about this title is first lady i was like listen first lady like beyonce first lady like the drop in first lady like you <laughs> first lady with the you first lady was on the dance team at listen i was at the yes. club in the two-piece velvet outfit told my husband all of this i was like you know there weren't iphones and stuff back there but somebody might have a polaroid or they might have you know, the digital camera, they printed out what, you know, if that stuff comes up, you don't know about it beforehand. It won't Before, be. A yes, absolutely. This is, this is who made me, you know, yes. um, I'm artistic and, and creative and I, I just see things through a different lens. Okay. And I've gotten a lot of, you know, you're not, and I'm not your typical first lady. I said that on our show, Book of John Gray years ago, before others have said it, mm. I, I, I I, I don't really carry it the way others do because we're a different type of generation. Yeah. I've been pastoring all my life, mentoring all my life, my little dance mentees, my, my, my girls that I went back to speak to for the debutante cotillion, you know, mm -hmm. now they're in their twenties and we're still talking about, you know, life things from when I was in my twenties and they were kitties, you know? So yeah. it just, you know, the ebbs and flows of life inform you more of who you are than what people can try to tag to you. So she's got so many quotables as well. But I, I want I'm, you're going to give me a quotable on this one as well. Finish this sentence for me. Because of my experience at my HBCU, I will not. Because of my experience at my HBCU, Florida A&M University, 
I will not back down from any type of opportunity that is that comes my way because I was trained well on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida. On That's that a quotable. That is a quotable. That is a quotable. I absolutely love it. And if you see the beat face that she gave at the very end of that quotable, those who are not watching and are only listening, you absolutely missed out. You really did. Um, we're almost done and I could talk to you forever. I really could. I, I think I have, I have taken notes on this particular episode more than any episode that I've ever taken notes. But, but before we wrap up, I promised I was coming back to this one thing you said earlier on. You said that even if one does not have a tribe, because you know who you are, it does not matter to have the tribe. I want to come back to that, especially for my students. I hear my students always talking about, I wish I had my own tribe. I wish I could find my tribe. Almost as if they're seeking it out and seeking it out and seeking it out, which as you can imagine, sometimes has them in the wrong group of humans yeah. surrounding yeah. them. What, what are your words um, that, that you could share with regards to being okay not having your tribe regardless? Okay, so I feel like all women need a tribe and are okay. speaking of tribe. I feel like that there is a little bit of fear in seeking it because you may compromise who you are to fit. And so I feel like being your authentic self, who are you are when you stand in the mirror with no tribe, mm. will allow the magnetic force of the people who should be in your orbit to come to you, that you should attract them by your authenticity. And that's how you gain a tribe without seeking a tribe. Seeking you gain a tribe by being who you authentically are because in your authenticity, the people who can rock with you will be attracted to you. Because me, I kind of, I repel and I am not attractive to people who don't have the same value system or the God in me repels you because I'm not with the foolishness or, you know, just the country girl in me repels, you know, all of that extra stuff sometimes. Or when I want to just be, you know, chill down, I don't have to be on all the time. Mm, sometimes mm. my off is on, you know, for me. Mm -hmm, and I had to mm -hmm. be okay with that, but I also had to grow to it. So you, it takes some time. Because I was, I was seeking a tribe as soon as I got there. Can we be friends? Me and you, what are we, where are you from? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. You know, what you like to do? Oh, or I'm friends with this set of dancers because, you know, oh, you ain't ballet, jazz, tap, modern. Okay, well, let's be friends. But just because what we do is the same doesn't mean we are the same. Absolutely. And so you have to actually just find your centering and who you are when you look in the mirror without anyone around and in your authentic tick self, pray and ask God for whoever it is that is a part of the tribe that he's calling you to, that they'll find you in your authenticity instead of you seeking them out. I love it. Gain the tribe, not seek the tribe. I love yeah. it. Before you leave us, um, is there something that you want to bless us with? You are multifaceted, working on so many different things. Is there something we haven't covered that you're like, hold on, this needs to get out? You know, we covered a lot in a short amount of time, but if I could leave something, it would be if you make 
the choice to attend an HBCU, I need you to carry that thing like it is a badge of honor. It it is such a unique and beautiful opportunity to attend, hmm. to graduate from, and to be an alum and to serve and give back to an HBCU. I cannot see myself um, at any other, you know, university. They're a great university. I think Alabama's great. I think Auburn is great. Um, I was a cheerleader, went to camps at all of those schools. Great. Um, But there's something about the historic nature of historically Black colleges and universities that allows you to be more of yourself without it being a box. Like, here's Mm. a box of your Mm. Black history. No, you live that thing every day with people who look like you. They're all around. And it's not all around with foolishness. You're not all around with, you know, we're gathering because, you know, Cousin Pookie got shot. No, we're here because we are on a mission to gain our education together and party like we're rock stars and help each other wake up in the morning and help each other in the library and then go party again and come back and then go to down the street to Tabernacle Church and then stay up all night when you went to the club so you make sure you don't miss church. You know, all of those things made me. And if I can just share with you, there's nothing like an HBCU experience. There is nothing like an HBCU experience. I love it and you would too. I'm going to end on that. I don't think anything else that I could ask is going to help just sum it all up. Those who are listening, those who are watching, thank you for tuning into this episode. Avanta Gray, thank you for being my guest on this particular thank episode. You for me. I'm so you glad are, it out. You are the um, I shouldn't say that because I'm gonna get knocked on the head if I say that, but you are one of the most amazing ambassadors for Florida A&M University. And I'm sure Florida A&M University is proud to have you as one of theirs. So till next episode, yours in HBCU love. See you next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tosin. You've been listening to I Love My HBCU question mark. Let's keep the conversation going as we share our stories and encourage more practical support of HBCUs whilst, of course, holding each other accountable. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, love and lift your HBCU.